Welcome back to the Retirement Is Within Reach podcast. My name is Sherry Doherty. Thanks for joining me today. You know, this podcast is heard on all the major podcast outlets on Google Podcast, Amazon, Apple, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You're familiar with them. I happen to use Spotify myself. But you can listen to this uh, podcast at your convenience. And if you like it, I hope that you subscribe to it. Well, again, I want to wish everybody back. We focus here on retirement planning. That's what we do. So for the past 37 years, quite a long period of time, I've been involved in the financial services industry. And for the past 10 years, I've hosted a radio program on a Massachusetts radio station, WCRN. My retirement planning program is heard Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to noontime. And if you'd ever like to tune in, all you have to do is just very simply say, Alexa, play WCRN, and like magic, my program will start streaming to you. And I will tell you, if you listen week after week, you may actually yourself become an expert on retirement planning. But let me back off a little bit. I want to talk uh, in this episode about a very interesting article that I read last weekend in the Wall Street Journal. It's about more people working on a part-time basis. And I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, maybe 15 or 16 years old, I first began to really think that my parents and other adults, too, really had out-of-touch views about the world. They just weren't tuned in to what was going on today. They didn't like rock and roll. And after all, who doesn't like rock and roll? They told me not to eat at McDonald's, that the food wasn't good for me. My parents said the bell bottoms in the 1970s should be worn by sailors. And they thought that Marsha Brady was promiscuous. Can you believe that? Marsha Brady, promiscuous. Come on. My parents had six children. And Marsha Brady's supposed to be the promiscuous one? You know, in their 50s, my parents' attitudes and temperaments were different than my 15-year-old, very worldly views. My views were far more contemporary, and theirs, of course, were very passe. You know, I think we all understand that over time, generational norms are going to change. What seemed logical and right to one generation may seem kind of outdated to the next generation. Things that would never be acceptable to one generation may be completely acceptable to the next generation. Social and business norms evolve over time, and new norms may end up being in sharp contrast to the old. Let me give you a quick example of what I mean. Baby boomers and older Gen Xers, to them, a 40-hour work week was the norm. Everybody worked for 40 hours a week. Generally speaking, if someone worked less than 40 hours a week, they were considered to be part-time workers. But now, post-pandemic, the idea of a 40-hour work week or even going into an office seems like a norm that belongs to a bygone generation. So last weekend, the Wall Street Journal carried a really interesting article. I kind of found it fascinating. It was titled, Burned Out, More Americans Want to Work Part-Time. Just the title tells you everything that they're going to say in the article. Burned Out, more Americans want to work part-time. Does that describe you? <laughs> Probably describes a few of you listening to me. Well, let me read the first paragraph of that article. What they wrote is they wrote, part-time work is exploding. The number of Americans working part-time rose by 1.2 million in December 2022 compared to the preceding month. That's according to the Labor Department. Most of that increase, 587,000 workers, was driven by people who were part-time work workers by choice 
not because they weren't able to find full-time employment or their hours were cut. It was by choice. Then the article goes on to point out that in total, there are about 160 million Americans working right now, and about 16.3% of them who were employed in January of this year worked on a part-time basis. 16.3%. That represents about 26 million Americans who are working part-time due to their own choice, not because there isn't a full-time employment opportunity for them to pursue. They work part-time out of choice. So why is this happening? You know, it seems so different than what we have known our whole lives. Well, the Wall Street Journal makes the point that the COVID-19 pandemic was responsible for many people reconsidering their careers and kind of the true meaning of life. So a lot of people after the pandemic are starting to really question, looking a little bit more internally about the, what the true meaning of life is. And in the same vein, last year on my radio program, I discussed an article that appeared in Bloomberg that made this very same point. It seems that the pandemic has created a life is short mentality among many full-time employees. Everyone heard about the COVID-19 deaths, especially among the elderly and the sick. But on occasion, we'd even hear about a perfectly healthy, relatively young person whose life was claimed by COVID-19. It made no sense. And it gave a lot of people pause to think about their own lives. You know, during the year of the pandemic, 2020, and for a good stretch into 2021, we sat in isolation. Divorce rates climbed. You know, Fox News reported a 34% increase in divorce rates due to the pandemic. They cite contributing factors like unemployment, financial strain, kids home from school. That's a big source of stress, believe me, kids home from school. And of course, the death of uh, close family members. All these things and others proved to be too much of a strain for some marriages. And had the pandemic never happened, maybe, just maybe, those marriages would have survived. So because of all of that, many people put lifestyle considerations ahead of career considerations right now. And they're opting for part-time employment that allows more freedom to pursue their personal interests. This weekend's Wall Street Journal article also pointed out other factors in addition to their pandemic. They wrote, with inflation high and prices for food, housing, and other necessities rising, some people who had retired or opted out of the workforce are taking on part-time jobs to supplement their household income, end quote. Well, that makes sense, right? With inflation running at 6.4% at an annualized clip, I think it's safe to say that many people are feeling the economic strain of higher prices. Remember, too, in some industries that are more prone to sharper spikes in inflation, such as food, they've increased a lot more than the 6.4%. So people are having a harder time keeping up with some areas of the economy. So the choice comes down to either get a part-time job to pay for rising food costs or don't eat. It's not much of a choice. You know, every month, the Department of Labor publishes its unemployment report. And I know you're familiar with it. You see the numbers widely reported on the evening news when it comes out. And the recent January report showed that there were apparently, apparently, these numbers are always revised, there were apparently 517,000 jobs created during the month of January. That was a whopper number. It far exceeded any forecasts. But did you know that that report does not differentiate between full-time 
and part-time jobs. It doesn't differentiate between the two. In other words, the retiree who pre-pandemic swore that they would never go back to work, but who might now be unable to keep up with their daily living expenses due to this 40-year high in inflation, well, if that retiree takes a part-time job, as it appears many of them have, it'll count as a new job created in those Department of Labor numbers. But is that really an accurate description of what's going on in our economy? I don't think so. Should a 10-hour-per-week part-time job be counted as a job created? And that really makes you wonder, what is the true state of the U.S. economy? With this type of job creation record-keeping, do we even really know what the real job picture looks like? You know, I have to tell you, the reality is, is for a variety of reasons, some of them economic and some of them non-economic, many retirees will indeed choose to work on a part-time basis during their retirement. The economic reasons are kind of apparent, right? The extra income that might help ease the sting of inflation or simply income that allows people to live a little bit better. But the non-economic reasons are less obvious. And here's what I mean. You know, the transition from full employment to full retirement can be very difficult for some people. When you think about it, you spend your whole life getting up early, driving into your office, interacting with coworkers. Some of them might be a little bit older, some may be a little bit younger. You develop relationships, and some of the relationships are kind of deep relationships. So typically in a work setting, you feel engaged and you feel relevant. And then all of a sudden, abruptly, one day, you retire. And the world that you knew for 25, 30, maybe even 40 years or more, it suddenly stops. And there aren't too many people who will miss the daily grind, but there are many people who will miss the relevance, the friendships, and the accomplishment that hard work provides. You know, it's hard to feel useful one day and then completely irrelevant the next day. So to help with this transition, for some people, part-time employment will provide a happy middle ground. I think I look at it as a very healthy thing. Maintaining relevance, you know, with the, hot, with the uh, stress that can sometimes result from being fully engaged. You don't have it. That's what, part-time that's what part-time work brings to you. So some people are going to work part-time in retirement. They'll enjoy the economic benefits, but they may be, may be getting non-economic benefits as well. You know, it was Winston Churchill who once famously said, never, never, never quit. I love that sentence. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've walked into someone's office, typically successful people, to see those very words inscribed on some type of plaque or award in their office. It's a very inspiring message. Never, never, never quit. And although it was spoken by Winston Churchill, it's a very American message. Americans don't give up. And according to a recent Associated Press article that I read, it seems that Winston Churchill's words and that sentiment of never, never, never quit have really been taken to heart by many working Americans. Apparently, the result of a new poll shows that nearly one in four Americans said that they never plan to retire. They never plan to retire. They're just going to continue working forever. But they're doing that despite the ages, the realities of aging. There are certain realities that we're all going to face as we get older. When it comes to work, though, some of these people plan to never, never, never quit. They don't expect to ever stop working. They want to work well beyond the age of 65. You know, when you look at the labor participation rate here in the United States, 
It's kind of an interesting thing. The labor participation rate, as you probably know, is effectively the size of America's labor pool. How many people are out there working? About 160 million right now. It was steadily decreasing during the first 15 years of the 21st century. Hard to believe, you know. It dipped from about 67 percent in 1999, 67% of the uh, eligible workers working, to about 62.5% in 2015. Then under the Trump administration, it began to rise again. But then it dipped under President Biden. And today we have a labor participation rate that stands at about 61.5%. So just think about that. In a little bit more than a 20-year period of time, the percentage of available workers here in the United States has decreased by about 5% but our overall population has grown. I wonder, and you may be wondering too, is that the shift from capitalism into socialism? Maybe it is. But for some retirees, retirees, the motivation to continue working might be driven more by their need for income in retirement than anything else. And according to this Associated Press poll, only 29% of the people over the age of 50 feel that they feel that they are very well prepared for retirement. And about the same number, roughly one-third, say that they feel very unprepared for retirement. So for a good number of people, working out of necessity in retirement might be their reality. But as the Associated Press article points out, and I'm quoting directly from it, it says, polls suggest a disconnection between individuals' retirement plans and the realities of aging in the workforce. Experts say that illnesses, injuries, layoffs, and caregiving responsibilities often interfere with older workers and force them to leave their jobs sooner than they would like to. So for some of you, although your aspirations may be to work beyond your 65th birthday, it might, be, might not be possible. Life might get in the way despite your financial motivation to remain working. But I will tell you, if your health cooperates, working the, after the age of 65, is probably a pretty good thing for you. In fact, almost 40% of Americans surveyed say that work after the age of 65 is a good thing. You know, beyond the income that part-time work provides in retirement, it seems that there are other benefits as well. So a while ago, about a year ago, I read a really interesting article that appeared in the Atlantic Daily. It was titled, Your Personal, Your Professional Decline is Coming Much Sooner Than You Think. The author of the article was a guy by the name of Arthur Brooks, who's a relatively well-known writer and a pretty famous guy, you know, who was working pretty hard in his 50s, he himself, not young, but not old. And one day he began to wonder in his 50s, how long can I really keep going? You know, it's funny. I think when we get into our 50s, we begin to question a lot of different things. And to some degree, we begin to really ponder where this whole thing is heading. Usually these kind of thoughts might occupy our minds when we've been influenced by some type of life event, perhaps the death of a parent, you know, a good friend, maybe a job loss, maybe stagnation in your career. But there's usually some type of life event that happens that makes you give a little bit of pause and start to think about where is this whole thing heading? And for Mr. Brooks, believe it or not, it was a conversation that he overheard on an airplane. He was sitting in a seat and he, happens to, he happened to eavesdrop on a couple sitting behind him. And the conversation turned out to be a rather morbid conversation between an elderly couple who, again, occupied the, occupied the seat behind him. 
There was an older, very accomplished gentleman who apparently had lost his zest for living. After he had been very relevant during his working years, and the aging gentleman now felt very irrelevant. You know, there's a really significant body of data that suggests that for most of us, happiness, this is very interesting, happiness declines throughout our 30s and our 40s. And happiness tends to hit rock bottom at about the age of 50 or so. And I bet that a number of you experience that decline in happiness too. Life starts to really interfere. Perhaps it was brought on by a personal matter, maybe a job-related pressure, maybe a divorce. But according to studies, it's not uncommon for people's happiness to decline during their 30s and their 40s. But the good news is, is that it seems that happiness levels begin to increase again as you get into your 60s. I'm in my 60s and I feel like a pretty happy guy. As you might imagine, though, much of this is very subjective. The reality is, just as a side note, if you've been miserable your whole life, you're likely going to be miserable in retirement too. So I would suggest to you, everybody listening to me right now, why not try to be happy? I promise you, it's a much better alternative. And you know what is one of the biggest contributors to happiness, especially for men, not to sound gender-based, but especially for men? It's having relevance. Men who feel relevant are the happiest guys out there. In fact, in Mr. Brooks' Atlantic Daily article, he cites a UCLA Princeton University study that concluded, and I quote directly from it, their findings, the study's findings, published in the Journal of Gerontology show that senior citizens who rarely or never felt useful were nearly three times as likely as those who frequently felt useful to develop a mild disability. And they were more than three times as likely to have died during the course of the study, end quote. Three times as likely to have died during the course of the study. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Feeling relevant, feeling significant, having purpose is at the core of what makes most people tick. You know, we're all here for a reason. Your presence is felt. And if your presence stops being felt, your purpose dies. And so too does your soul. Relevance isn't just something that we need early in life. Relevance is something that you need throughout your whole life. So do you remember the old expression, resting on your laurels? Well, it means that you become complacent, trying to maintain relevance based upon past accomplishments. We all know people who do that, people who rest on their laurels. And you know what? When you think about those people, you probably look upon them as somewhat washed up. They're kind of poor souls who are basking in the glory of a yesteryear, a bygone day that's faded in everybody's memories except for their own. Relevance is indeed something that you need on an ongoing basis. You have to stay relevant. So if you're listening to this podcast about retirement planning, and I'm talking about working part-time in retirement, you probably subscribe to the magazine AARP. I'm sure you're familiar with that. It's been arriving at your house since you were 50 years old. Hopefully that wasn't too many years ago when you were 50 years old. Well, just about a year ago, I read an interesting article. It was titled, The 15 Lessons That Coronavirus Has Taught Us. And the number one lesson that the coronavirus taught most people is that family means more than they realize. Here's what they wrote. They wrote the indelible image of the older person living alone and having to struggle. We need to change that. You're going to see more older people 
home sharing with families, and co-housing across communities to avoid future situations of tragedy, end quote. You know, I'm no psychologist, but I think it's basic human nature that most people need interaction and contact with other people, especially with those who they love. And when you don't have that contact with others, it can indeed lead to situations of tragedy. During the pandemic, depression, anxiety, and substance abuse all increased, in fact, skyrocketed in some categories. And is it any surprise? You know, I certainly believe that it's rare that anyone finds happiness living in isolation or in solitude. Yet that's exactly what many people were forced to do during the business and school shutdowns, during the home lockdowns, during the social distancing mandates brought on by coronavirus and the pandemic. And by the way, sometimes I get a little bit confused on this social distancing stuff. I was in church last Sunday. And they actually said, don't shake anybody's hand. They say this every Sunday, but it strikes me so, so strange. Don't shake anybody's hand unless they offer their hand to you. You know, I have to tell you, it's a, uh, it's a different world that we're living in post-pandemic. During the pandemic, we sat alone with just our immediate families, apart from our neighbors and our friends. We worked alone from home. School shut down. Our kids were taught online from the isolation of their bedrooms. How strange. The country's new slogan became together alone. The ultimate oxymoron, a classic contradiction in terms, together alone. How stupid. You know, over the centuries, isolation has often been used as a form of punishment, cruel and unusual punishment. Prisoners who stepped out of line were thrown into solitary confinement. And studies have shown that prisoners who experience solitary confinement, they develop anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, and psychosis pretty adverse side effects. In Massachusetts, where I live, in 2018, under the Criminal Justice Reform Act, severe restrictions, severe restrictions were put into place, limiting the use of solitary confinement for the prison population. Yet through the whole of 2020, the state's legislature here in Massachusetts imposed a form of solitary confinement on its most vulnerable, probably most law-abiding citizens, the elderly, who are alone in this world, in a way, just prisoners to their deteriorating health. And that leads me back to that AARP article that I mentioned and the number one lesson that the coronavirus pandemic taught us. And that is that family means more than we realize. The reality is, you guys, is that hugs, kisses, and physical contact may just be the most powerful medicine ever known to man. Is vital to human existence, human life, as oxygen. So longing for the love of family and friends and aided sometimes by a roaring stock market that we saw in 2020 and 2021, there is a mounting, mounting uh, amount of research that shows that a greater number of Americans would like to retire early. And according to government data, about 2.7 million people aged 55 and older are considering retiring earlier than they had originally planned coming out of the pandemic. And they plan to start their Social Security retirement benefits earlier as well. So it seems after the lost years of 2020 and 2021, a life is short mentality has developed. And many people who are financially able to feel now that is the time for them to retire and pursue their personal happiness. So about a year ago, Bloomberg published an article that was titled, Affluent Americans Rush to Retire in New Life is Short Mindset. 
And I have to tell you, fresh out of 2020, who can blame them? You probably feel that way too, that you'd like to retire, like the prisoner who just got out of solitary confinement. You know, additionally, according to the New York Federal Reserve Bank, following the pandemic, the number of people who plan to work after the age of 67 has fallen to the lowest number on record. You know, very often when we experience the extreme of one condition, the pendulum tends to swing hard in the opposite direction. You know, for example, here in New England, after a long, cold winter, we crave the warmth of summer. But that soon fades as well after we get a couple of 95 or 100 degree days. It's just human nature. However, when you really think about it, simply going from one extreme to the other, going from full employment abruptly into full retirement, like a pendulum swinging wildly from one end to the other, it does kind of seem out of balance, doesn't it? It's not proportioned. It's not harmonious. It's not everything in moderation. So I wonder when government data reports that about 2.7 million people age 55 and older are considering retiring earlier than they had originally planned and are beginning their social security benefits earlier as well, are those people really overreacting to a momentary coronavirus imbalance in their lives? Has their emotional pendulum simply swung hard in the opposite direction? And will they eventually, at older ages, maybe at 75 or at 80, will they eventually grow bored in retirement? But at that point in time, they might be, might be too old to return to work. I just wonder if some people will indeed feel like that. You know, during the coronavirus pandemic, roughly 10 million Americans lost their jobs. That's what the number was. And during their time out of work, many of the unemployed had time to rethink their future is a very healthy thing. And did you know in 2020, there were about four and, a half, four and a half million new small businesses created in the United States? Just think about that. Four and a half million business startups created during the worst economic downturn in recent U.S. history. Four and a half million startups is about a 25% increase from the business creation that we experienced annually pre-pandemic. That's a lot of new businesses. And of course, that's a lot of new business owners, people, men and women, perhaps even you, who were formerly employees before coronavirus stuck, are now entrepreneurs. It's pretty good stuff. And it seems that many people like this new route. You know, in economics, there's a theory. It's known as creative destruction. Some of you have probably heard of it. It's really aptly, really well-named. It means that sometimes when there's a period of economic destruction, like we saw during coronavirus, it's followed by a period of business creativity, creative destruction. It's kind of a more sophisticated version of the old adage, necessity is the mother of all invention. And maybe for a few of you listening to me right now, you reinvented yourself during a job loss in 2020. And if you did, if you did, today you might just find yourself in a happier place a place that possibly you never would have arrived at had it not been for the economic destruction of the coronavirus pandemic. And for some new business owners, they might have formed their new businesses, striking a better balance between home and work. In other words, just as the AARP article that I mentioned a few minutes ago pointed out, the number one lesson the coronavirus pandemic has taught us is that family means more than we realized. And maybe entrepreneurship 
can help you strike a better balance between home and work. You know, there's a ton of studies that show that work can bring true meaning to life. Meaningful work creates significance in your life. So maybe another lesson we can learn from the coronavirus pandemic is that we should pursue work opportunities that bring our lives deeper meaning. In other words, work that holds more significance than just providing a paycheck. And when we think about work in that context, we begin to realize how important work can be to a healthy life. After all, there's a huge number of studies that show that work is a main driver to happiness. And beyond that, just think about how great your world could be if you struck the right balance between work that provides relevance and work that also enhances your home life. So the other morning, I was driving into my office and the traffic, there's a traffic belt around uh, Boston called Route 128. The traffic on Route 128 was kind of heavy. So I got off and I cut through some side streets in a lovely suburban town called Needham, Massachusetts. Got on some secondary roads, a few of which kind of wound me through residential suburban neighborhoods. And as I was going through the neighborhoods, I actually got stuck behind a school bus. You know, and I hadn't been stuck behind a school bus in quite a while. And as you might have guessed, you know, it's kind of a maddening experience. But it was a nice morning. The sun was shining and I really didn't mind. Anyway, the bus stopped on one corner and the corner that the bus stopped at I saw that there were a ton of parents gathered there, like a huge number of parents that were gathered there. They were waving goodbye to their kids as the kids boarded the bus. And much to my surprise, most of the parents were men. They were all laughing and smiling. These guys genuinely looked like happy guys. Now, I don't want to sound sexist, but in pre-pandemic days, when I'd go by a bus stop like that, most of the people there were moms, not dads. And of course, it kind of got me thinking about all the people who are working from home now and all of the people who lost their jobs during the pandemic and all the people who started one of the four and a half million new businesses that were created during the year 2020. You know, I guess everyone is striving for a greater balance between work and home life in our post-pandemic world. You know, as I mentioned at the outset, I am no psychologist. And by the way, you're probably not a psychologist either. But I'm certain that many of the coronavirus entrepreneurs that are trying their hardest to strike a healthy balance between work and family, I bet you that they are. And by doing that, perhaps the greatest thing that these entrepreneurs are creating is balance in their lives. You know, if one of those components is missing, either work or home, I'm not sure you can really achieve true balance in your life. I'm not sure that you can experience happiness in your life. And by no means does that mean that the pendulum must hang directly in the middle, dead center between the two. After all, it seems to me that many of those school bus stop dads that I saw had the pendulum leaning a little bit more toward the home life than toward the work life. You know, as you enter retirement, a necessary reality for many of you will be that you'll need to earn a little bit of income to supplement your other sources of retirement income. That income will supplement those sources of retirement income, such as Social Security, pensions, and annuity payments. And for many of you, income from employment will kind of be the finishing touch that will allow you to live in the retirement lifestyle that you always envisioned. But in addition to supplementing your retirement income, your part-time employment in retirement might just bring fulfillment to your retirement, fulfillment to your life. It might, it might provide you with a sense of relevance, purpose, 
an accomplishment in your life. You know, a few years ago, I was meeting with a client. He was retired for about a year, but he recently returned to work. And when I asked him why, he said, because I didn't feel good about myself. You know, for many people, it's very hard to work for 40 years, then abruptly stop working one day. So when I read articles like the Bloomberg article that I referenced earlier, or the AARP article, or even the recent Wall Street Journal article from last weekend, I really began to wonder whether the best response to the coronavirus 2020 and 2021 is to embrace a life of short mentality and completely stop working. Do you think that that will really lead to unbridled happiness in your retirement? Maybe for some of you it will, but I think for most of you it won't. Now, I don't want to bring this, I I wanted to bring this up today because I don't want you to be afraid of working during your retirement. Work in retirement can be financially helpful. It'll provide you with better retirement cash flow, maybe allowing you to knock off a few additional items from your bucket list. But just as important as the income, it may provide relevance in your life. It may provide a sense of purpose and overall balance in your life. It's interesting stuff. So don't be afraid of that in retirement. Part-time work in retirement has a lot of benefits to it. Well, listen, thank you for listening to the podcast. We're a weekly podcast. Again, it's called Retirement is Within Reach. And I do hope that you subscribe to the podcast. My name is Jerry Doherty. I run a company called Boston Independence Group, which is located in Westboro, Massachusetts. We're about 30 miles west of Boston. Uh, What we do is we help people live better in retirement. That's what our sole mission is. We don't do anything else but retirement planning. If you'd ever like to reach me, you can at 877-772-1776. Again, that's 877-772-1776. Or you can reach me by email. Just use my first name. It's Jerry, Jerry with a G, G G-E-R-R-Y, at bostonindependencegroup.com. Jerry at bostonindependencegroup.com. Until next week, this is Jerry Doherty saying, retirement is within reach.